Secrets to Real Estate Investing, Episode 31. Welcome to the Secrets to Real Estate Investing podcast by House Flip Masters, where you will learn powerful strategies from top experts in real estate investing, and you will find valuable information to take your investments to the next level. Now, here's your host and expert real estate investor, Holly McCann. Welcome to another exciting episode of Secrets to Real Estate Investing by House Flip Masters. Today we have a really awesome, experienced, seasoned real estate investor that I'm really excited to bring to you, my listeners. This gentleman has over 40 years. He's been over 40 years in this business. I mean, that's more than some of you have been alive. So he's got so much experience to bring and share today. He's been a full-time real estate entrepreneur for that long and has become a recognized expert in acquisition, finance, negotiation, property management, and the philosophical mindset that makes possibility a reality. So with that, welcome to the show, Greg Pinio. Hey, thank you, Holly, for having me on your great show. Well, I'm so excited you could be here. Why don't you start by going back to the beginning of your real estate entrepreneur career and tell us, tell our listeners about what you've done, where you've been, and how you got to where you are today. A little bit about your story. Wow. Um, I'm going to tell you a story uh, about when I was um, eight years old. Um, I was so looking forward to playing baseball when I was eight years old. I, I, I saw my brother sign up for it. He's two years older than I, so I knew it was coming, right? I was so excited for this first baseball practice and playing ball, right, as a young kid. And uh, the practice came, and the coach took us into the outfield. And for over an hour, he lectured us on our responsibility as players in the league to help with the financial obligations of the league. We didn't throw the ball. We didn't hit a ball. We didn't catch a grounder. And we all left with 24 cans of almond roca candy that we had to sell. And I didn't remember this from my brother's chapter, but I went home very discouraged. And in order to be on the team, we had to sell this almond roca. And my parents put me in my uniform and they said, you know, just as soon as you get this done, you can play ball and gave me a little pep talk and out the door I went, right? I skipped the first house because I knew they weren't nice. At the second house, I knocked on the door and I knocked on the door and Mr. Peterson answered. And I said, hello, Mr. Peterson, in my cutest, you know, face, my shy eight-year-old face. I said, I'm selling Almond Roca to help support my baseball team would you like to buy a can? And he had this deep sigh and he looked at his watch and he said, Greg, come on in. I think I can help you with your presentation. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. no, I can't believe this, right? Well, he sat me down and he said, Greg, if I did everything you wanted me to do, what would I do? And I said, well, you'd buy a can of almond roca. And he said, exactly. Are you hearing yourself? And I went, what? And he said, if I wanted to buy six cans of almond roca, did you open that door for me? Mm. Maybe not. And he said, Greg, rule one, never set a ceiling on what can happen in your life. 
I went, hmm. He said, now, if your dad came with you and just walked up to the door with you, my dad's 6'4", 230 pounds, you know, tight end for the Washington Huskies, you know, big guy. He said, would I be more likely to buy your candy or less likely? And I said, more likely, because, you know, yes, sir, is a good answer for my dad, right? And he goes, exactly. He said, the second principle, Greg, always bring references. Mm. So Mr. Peterson bought six cans, and then he said, now we've done some business, haven't we? And I said, yes. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk right next door. It's the Smiths. You know them. And I said, yes. He said, I want you to say it just this way. I want you to say, hello, Mr. Smith. My name's Greg Pinio. I'm giving people an opportunity to support my baseball team. Mr. Peterson, your neighbor, has asked me to come and speak with you. Mr. Peterson has purchased six cans of this candy, and he's told me that that's likely nothing compared to what you might do. He's also asked, Mr. Smith, that I come right back to him after we're done with our business and tell him exactly how many cans of candy you got. <laughs> wow. Mr. Peterson said, Greg, do you see how that will work? Bringing references, accountability, no ceilings. And I remember like it was yesterday, Holly, walking to that door, kind of reciting my lines. And I walked up to the door and I knocked on the door. Mr. Smith answered. And I said, hello, Mr. Smith. I'm Greg Pinio. Mr. Peterson, your neighbor, has asked me to come and speak with you. I'm offering people an opportunity to purchase Almond Roca to support my baseball team and children as a whole, sir. Mr. Peterson has assured me that you're one of the most philanthropic in the area. He's bought six cans of this fine candy, and he's told me likely that's nothing compared to what you might do. He's also said that when we're done with business today, I need to run right back to his front door and tell him exactly how many cans of candy you bought. Mr. Smith, how many cans of candy would you like? for the children, for baseball. Holly, wow. this guy started laughing so hard, I thought he was gonna die. He started <laughs> going, Gary, come here, come here. And his wife came to the door worried, like what's going on? And, and uh, he said, do it again, do it again. And do it again, do the whole thing again. And I did it again, now she's laughing. He bought 10 cans of candy. Said, I need you to go tell Peterson that I kicked his butt. But he said, we're not stopping here. He said, do you know who lives on the other side of me? You need to go do this stuff on them and then rush back and tell me how you did. Oh, my gosh. The number two young baseball player in the league, the entire league, sold 37 cans. I sold over 700 cans. Oh, my gosh. As an eight-year-old. And I never left the neighborhood. So wow. lessons, what I call the towel of home and Roca. Never set a ceiling on the possibility of what can happen in your life. Be bold, bring references. Every day of my life when I call someone, I tie my proposition to something much bigger than me. I, I want to say, I've talked to so-and-so that you know. I know you're a part of this. I, I'm finding something to connect because then if they say no to me, it's not just saying no to me. It's saying no to something much bigger, much more uh, you know, connected to them than me. 
for that ring references every single day I use that. I love it. That there is fantastic. So there's, there's a little story out of the uh, page for you. Okay, well, that was super intriguing, super life-changing. Wow. I mean, you just took that and ran with it. Over 700 canceled. Yeah. <laughs> Knocking my socks off. Wow. I wish I could have seen you at eight years old. You're probably so cute. <laughs> I, I was pretty cute. I was very shy. So it was even more amazing, this shy kid. It's like I didn't, all I had to do is follow the system and it worked, right? I love it. Okay. <laughs> well, let's fast forward a little bit to how you got into real estate. What brought you into real estate investing? So my mom and dad, uh, we have, they have two kids, my brother and I, and we were raised at a very young age that when you are an adult, you're on your own. And what that means is that you don't live here. And adult, when you look it up in our family dictionary, means the night you graduate from high school. Wow. So the night you graduate from high school, you're on your own. You don't live here. You pay your own bills. You get on with your life. If you want to go to college, and we hope you do, good luck with that. We hope it works out, <laughs> right? Uh, nobody paid for my dad's college. Um, so we knew that. It wasn't a bad thing. We just knew it. Okay. So in my junior year of high school, I'm not a dorm guy. I'm not a fraternity guy. I need my own quiet space, right? Kind of a shy guy. So I, um, I was out looking at rental houses thinking that, well, I'm gonna to have to find a rental house. And this went on all my junior year and early in my senior year, I'm out looking at rental houses. And I Wait, wait just to clarify, this is your senior year in high school, in right? High school. And how old are you at this time? 17? 17. Okay. And, um, and I'm, it's, it's actually in January of that year that I'm out looking uh, January of 1976, I'm out looking for houses and I come up on this rental house that was just a mess. And this guy unlocked the door and let me, I said, well, are you going to show me through? He goes, no, just you walk through. And I walked in. It was just, it was just a mess. It was nasty. <laughs> and um, I came out and he goes, well, what do you think? And I said, well, honestly, he goes, yeah, be straight up with me. And I said, well, honestly, it's a mess. This thing is a mess. I said, the roof's leaking, the deck's ready to cave in. It's a dirty, the carpets, the walls, it's, it's the bathroom. It needs gutting. It's, it's a mess. And uh, I said, and it's not, a, I'm not afraid of hard work, but if I were going to do all that hard work, I said, I'd want to own this, not rent it. There was some instinct that said, no renter in his right mind would do all this, right? If you were an owner, you should do it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and he looked at me and he says, so why don't you just buy it from me? <laughs> and I, 17 year old well, kid, huh? Okay. I should kind of, you know, to match his sort of snide, snarky remark. I said, well, maybe I should. And he goes, well, how much do you have saved up? And I said, well, I have a thousand dollars saved up. And I remember kind of going mumbling, hmm, not much. And he said, well, what does your resume look like? <laughs> I didn't really, I kind of got the idea of that. And I thought, well, I'm going to play my best cards. I said, well, I'm a pretty good student. I have to work hard at it. I'm a pretty good athlete. I have to work hard at it. And I'm kind of fishing now. And I go, I'm the state's youngest Eagle Scout. And he goes, really? And I said, trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. I, 
I am. And he goes, all right, I guess we can work something out. And you know, at the time I wasn't even amazed. Now I think about that and I'm going, I should have been amazed. But yeah. I really wasn't. I, and, and I think there's a point there. I didn't know what I couldn't do. I didn't know that a young kid who knew nothing shouldn't buy a house. It just seemed like, well, somebody buys houses. You might as well just do it. I love that. Thing I know, he writes up the paperwork right there. And, and he says, well, I want $25,000. I want, a th I want your thousand dollars down and you'll owe me $24,000. And he looks up in this book and he goes, can you afford $206 and 10 cents a month? And I said, yeah, I bet I could do that. And he goes, great. And he writes it all up, hands it to me. He says, take this to home and have your parents look at it. He says, are you 18 yet? And I said, no, I will be 18 in March. And he says, okay, well, we're going to have to close after March. And I didn't even know what closing was, Holly. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I said, well, I can't I move in. I can't, I, I can't move in until I graduate from high school. That's not till June. It's going to take me at least a month to clean this thing up. And he says, okay, well, I'll make it. Your first payment isn't due till July. Woohoo! And I said, nice. so here was this deferred, you know, accrual of interest. I wouldn't even have known what that meant back then. Right. I went home and I put it in front of my dad. And uh, he said, well, he said, how much would it cost to rent a house like this? I said, well, it seems like two or $300 is the houses I'm seeing. And he goes, well, buying's probably better than renting and you know how to do everything. You might as well have something to do in your free time. And that was really the only advice I had. And I went, well, okay. Because you so, didn't know what, you, what, what your limitations are like, okay, I'll just do it. I did. So I closed the house in April. I had April, May, and June. I went over there all the time working on it. Didn't live there yet, but the night I graduated from high school, I moved into this house. Now, so far, nothing earth-shattering has happened. But I'll tell you the day my world changed was I'm sitting there writing out my first installment payment. And two of my buddies knew I had a house now and said, hey, can we live with you? And I said, hey, sure. I don't even remember working anything out beyond that. Sure. Yeah, no problem. And I'm writing out my first installment check for $206.10 in my bedroom slash laundry room slash office. And Jeff and Kelly popped their head in the door and said, hey, here's the rent. And oh, thanks. And they each threw a $100 bill on my desk. And I went, thanks. And I'm staring at these $200 bills while I'm writing $206.10. And quite honestly, I remember it like it was yesterday. I started like hyperventilating. I stood up. I had goosebumps. I was like, oh, my God. And it just occurred to me, Jeff and Kelly are buying me my house. I'm living in my own house for $6.10. Wow. And I just, I, I, I didn't know anything, but I went to myself, oh, my God. Everything I've ever wanted to do in my life, all I need to do is buy more houses and find more good I love it. What it's like, that simple in my head. Yeah. What an amazing moment. That, thank yeah. goodness you had that epiphany. So yeah. I'm assuming that you then looked for more houses. And were you in college or planning to go to college? Or what was that part of your I life? I was at the University of Washington. 
I right, it started in the fall, um, right? So late August, early September, fall quarter started, and I, I was obsessed with buying houses. I can see why. I, I mean, in, in college, Holly, I never went to a football game, a dance, never drank a beer, never went anywhere on spring break. I wouldn't know what a party was. I, I'm telling you, it was school, and I would run to a job site. And wow. I would be on my job sites and buying houses, and that turned into buying apartment buildings, and that turned into building apartment buildings. And so there was a stretch where I built about 400 units of apartments. And I just, I have been at this 40 years, about as hard as anyone can run in 40 years. And I've never had a job. I've never worked for anybody. And I've always done my thing. Now, I've gotten a lot. Uh, uh, my knowledge pool, my toolbox has increased over all these years. I was asked to teach what I do at the university in my late 20s. And so I started teaching at the university for many years, acquisition, finance, negotiation. Um, that started in my late 20s. I mean, that was like 30 years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. And, um, but I think how few people get to do something for their entire career where they wake up in the morning and they can't wait to get out the door to do what they do. Man, I'm, I'm like the luckiest guy in the world. Uh, I'm a normal guy. Nobody gave me anything. But how many normal guys get to spend eight years with a crew building an $8 million house? How many, how many guys ever get to try to do that? Normal guys, you know, that, that aren't like a quarterback or a Microsoft brainiac or mm -hmm. whatever. I mean, normal people, right? Yeah. So I, what an adventure, what an adventure and, and what a joy. So yeah, there's, there's where it all started right there. Love it. Okay. And then you give us a little bit more info on what you've done since then. Um, t why don't you tell us about your family? Yeah, man. Uh, so I was married when I was really young, too. So now all of a sudden I'm 21, married. And so here's the craziest thing. Figure this out, right? I have two older kids. Amy is going to be 36 this week. This week. Joel is almost 30. So I have two older kids. Um, then I was single for a long time thinking I will never be married again. Um, uh, my first wife actually passed away at a very, very young age. Of um, but I've got these great kids and life's going on. And, and then 20 years ago, I met Shauna, 20 years ago. <laughs> and now, Holly, get this. So I've got these older kids. Now I have got 15, 10, Eight, three, and one. Holy moly! So, so, so <laughs> a lot of kids. Go from like thirty-six to one. Rod Stewart has nothing on me. <laughs> I love it. How yeah. fun! So, do your older kids have any kids? Are you a grandfather yet? I have. I my oldest daughter has identical twin girls that I still can't tell them apart, Ryan and Riley, <laughs> and, and they, they just turned five years old, so. Oh, how fun. Yeah, they're awesome, they're awesome. I said five, they just turned six. God, I can't, I mean, life's moving too fast. 
They yeah. take clicks on 9-11, and they are and, an emergency waiting to happen, let me tell you. That's neat. And we haven't said what city you live in, so where do you live? So I, I consider the Northwest our home, and we would still say that that's world headquarters and home base. We also built a, a home for our own use that we don't rent out. We built a home years ago in Arizona. So like right this minute, um, I'm in Arizona. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we, we sort of go back and forth. And um, matter of fact, I'll be flying out to Seattle on Monday, right? <laughs> so, you know, we're just, we don't have a normal life. Um, uh, you know, again, I, I don't, I think normal is overrated anyway, but we just don't know what normal is. So, yeah. yeah. Normal for you. You've designed a really spectacular life. How fun with all those little kids, too. Yeah. You got yeah. me, I only have four kids. That's... I don't have any more. I'm not competing with you there. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell us about um, kind of a more recent deal that yeah. you've been working on? You know, what's interesting is that the very, very basic elements that were part of the very, very first deal um, when I teach classes on acquisition, finance, negotiation, it's interesting that there's, there's some, some very basic tools that can be involved in real estate at the kind of the lowest level of a single family level. And then those same tools can be used developing assemblage properties and huge projects. And I have students who literally have done the full movie theater, Home Depot, Starbucks, you know, centers. They do wow. complexes, right? And, um, okay, so, so this one, though, I thought was rather interesting because it's kind of in the middle. It's got some sophistication to it. And yet the beautiful part about this, I, I think that anybody with, you know, some real intense beginning knowledge can see, hey, this can happen. I always divide up when I look at a real estate transaction, the sticks, bricks and dirt is one set of thinking and one negotiation. And the finance package that you create regarding that transaction is an entirely different file. Okay. And sometimes they're married for a while and other times you buy it for one or the other. In other words, why might I buy a property that I don't even want the property? But what I really want is the finance package. I want Absolutely, yeah. the package that I'm creating. Mm -hmm. So this deal is a very, very, very well-located classic six unit in Seattle. If you were to put a pin on the map of the most epicenter of high demand in Seattle, right in the East Lake area, I mean, two minutes from downtown, right there by Lake Union, it just can't get any better. A 1928 construction sixplex, mm. 1,200 square foot units, each with their own garage on the alley side, classic, right? Price, a million one fifty. But now I want you to look at the terms. 50 down, 50 down, that represents 4% down. Okay. 50 down, a million one on a note. The beneficiary of the note is the seller. 3.5% interest. Interest only or more payments. 25-year cash out. Now, there are six remainder beneficiaries on that note. Should the seller pass away, six entities are named as a one-sixth interest in the note. 
The note has a slice and dice clause, technically called an exchange of note clause. Hmm. A million one note can be broken up into multiple notes, adding up to a million one. Got it. The terms also extend that that note is collateralized initially by a first position on the subject property. However, it has a substitution of security clause built into that financing. Maker, maker's option may substitute the collateral for the note to a different piece of property under the following two conditions. One, the equity in the substitute property is equal to or greater than the outstanding balance on the note at the time of substitution. Two, that the net positive cash flow on the substitute collateral is equal to or greater than the minimum committed payment on the note at the time of substitution. So these elements of that negotiation, the ability to break a large note up into smaller notes, the ability to substitute the collateral just so there's equity and cash flow to support it, arguably make the terms of this transaction much, much greater than the equity slash sticks, bricks, and dirt, right? Absolutely. I love it. Very creative. So, so what it also allows for is that I can take this building after I own it with that package of finance and I can hire an attorney and a surveyor and get all the documents together to divide this building into six separate legal descriptions. And so I can take it from one building into six condominium units. Now that I have six separate legal descriptions, I can take the note that's a million one and create six notes for 183 and change and disperse them among the portfolio in first position at a cost of funds of three and a half percent. Sweet. Then I can sell these units to the tenants at market rents, whereby I am the beneficiary of the note at six and a half percent interest at market rates, which would be in the neighborhood of 320,000 a unit. So I give them a 5% down deal, sell the unit for 320,000 with about 5% down. I'm the beneficiary of a note for 304,000, right? Uh The income stream to me is at six and a half percent interest only, not interest only or more. That comes in, of course, my income coming in is roughly 1,700. My payment going out is roughly 500. That $1,200 difference a month in margin and spread times six units, you can do the math, about $7,400 a month of income. Now, if somebody who's paying me decides they wanna cash me out, I still don't need to cash out my underlying cost of funds. I simply can substitute the collateral of those funds to somewhere else, right? I can also charge them if they're paying me off early, penalties. Now, this this one deal has the elements of, of an example of how certain financial structure is. The, the real estate entrepreneur arguably Real estate is simply the clothing that finance wears. Mm, Say that again and a little more slowly so that can sink in. I've heard you say that before and I love it. I mean, it it truly is uh, that real estate is simply an excuse for financing. Chrysler sells steel, paint, leather, and rubber. They don't make any money on that. 
they make money on the finance package, and therefore the car is an excuse for financing on the sale side. Well, real estate is the clothing that finance wears. It's, it's the reason for financing. But how do you buy a house for 200,000, sell the same exact house for 200,000 and make 50,000, right? It's yeah. not a circus act. That's not some sleight of hand. That's understanding finance. And therefore, every real estate entrepreneur has to major in finance and major in negotiation. Negotiation is the, is the fall down of 99% of real estate entrepreneurs. They think, oh, I can talk to people, therefore I'm a negotiator? Oh my gosh, don't say that in front of Dr. Michael Shadow, he'll die. Right? Negotiation, negotiation is an entirely different art form than communication or discussion. It's an art form. An art form whereby everything you're wanting to get in a, in, in a situation or a transaction, you achieve, but nobody even knows what you're wanting. It, it, it's the mind of your audience is, is bringing it to you, right? Yeah. The language of your audience, and it's all about them. And how do you explain something like a substitution of security clause and explain it whereby your audience says, oh my gosh, thank you so much for thinking of me in that. I would never have thought of that. Thank you for looking out for me. And or assigns onto a deal and have the seller say, wow, I never would have thought about that, but thank you for doing that for me. So what... Why don't you say a little bit more about that? Because I know a lot of people have trouble with that, with the and or assigns. What do you say to make it show that it is in the seller's best interest? You know, again, everything's got to be framed from the seller's perspective. Why is this good for them? Why is this good for them? We know why we want it. We Mm -hmm. want to hand this transaction to somebody else and let them close it. We're simply making the assignment fee. That's why it's good for us. Right. But, but we have to learn to explain this to a seller to where the seller goes, wow, thank you. So let me try it on. Let's say you're a seller, Molly. Yes. We've, we've, gotten, we've come to terms. We've talked about it. Everything's good. Now we're filling out paperwork. And I fill it out. Who's the buyer? Greg Pinio, right? Or Greg yeah. Pinio. We get all done. And then I say, Holly, there's one more thing. I... I we have got a closing date on here, right? Yes. It says that on this closing date that I'm going to give you $500,000 cash. Yes. And I'm, and I'm signing this, right? And my word says that's going to happen. Yes. I want to tell you what I need to do and here's why you're going to say thank you. I need to make sure that no matter what, no matter what, no matter what, that on this day at this time, you get your $500,000. I want to make sure, and so I'm going to write and or a science so that no matter what, I, my estate, no matter what happens to me between now and then, Ah. My word is that you're going to get your money on this day and time. If I need to bring in more horsepower, if this unforeseen thing comes up, if the bank says no and I've got to go here, whatever the case may be, 
I'm leaving no excuse, but this says I can bring on my entire team if necessary to make sure that whatever I'm telling you, Holly, I'm going to do, I'm going to do. I love it. My, my an excellent way to frame it. So, yeah. So, and, 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 and what I've been told, I can't even tell you how many times it's like, man, Greg, that's awesome. That it, it's, it's neat that you take this that seriously. Oh yeah, I do. Fantastic. I love that. Those little things, you know, I mean, how do you spend an hour talking about three words? Well, I have, I mean, on CD form, here you go. Study it because in the living room, you're going to run into this in the real world. I think that that's that's what I love about your teaching, Holly, is that, is that you're teaching yesterday's meeting you're teaching what i just went through you're teaching what i do and this is what you're going to run into tell me you haven't run into that i've run into it all kinds of times so you really debrief and think about it and you put it to task so that now you go all right here's how i handle that right so awesome very real world with anything i put out there that this is what's going to happen and here's how you handle it right I love it. Well, why don't you, um, we're just getting to the end of our show here. So why don't you give us um, some of the best advice you'd have for a new person just venturing into this world of real estate investment? Okay. Okay. Number one, I'm in agreement that that the people you hang around, the books you read, the thoughts you think are absolutely critical. You have to control all of those. You can control the input in your life. And it's the one thing we can control, our influences and our input. We have to control that. We can't just be a sponge to anything. We've got to choose carefully who's in the right seat of your airplane and really put yourself in the right situation, okay? Number one, right? Number two, you have to define failure as not trying. Mm, I love that. Failure is when you don't try. People tend to think, oh, I'm so smart. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to avoid risk by not doing this. Mm. But when you stay, you avoid, uh, you, you, you now are risking regret. And so you've got to be fearless in this business. And in life, you've got to be fearless. You just have to say, I'm more afraid of not trying than I am a failure. I'm more afraid of regret than I am a failure. And so you go and you live. That would be the second thing. The third thing is you have to study and learn every day of your life. Yeah. I mean, people here watching this, they could be watching reruns of some show. And they're growing. And that has to be a daily diet to the last day on earth. This, this, this diet of education and growth, right? Personal growth will always translate into income and freedom. It always will. So, People who are dedicated to their growth, um, that's huge. So there's a few, a few practical pieces. The toolbox of real estate, quite honestly, once you learn it and know it, you understand it. But the mindset piece, how you define possibility, what is your focused intention? These three pieces of the circle and the equation are so critical to be clear on what your beliefs are, 
What do you believe is possible? And what is your focused intention? That word intention, Holly, is the word that everybody should study. It's, it's laser, it's a prone position with a laser scope. I want this. And I mean, it's not vague. It is, this is what I want. Deliberate. Right. I love it. That, that is outstanding. That's great advice for someone new, as well as for someone old or seasoned, as we should say. <laughs> outstanding. Love that. Yeah. Well, as we're wrapping up here, can you please tell our listeners where they can learn more about you? And maybe you can talk about opportunities that they might have to work with you. Well, first of all, let's talk about working with me. I am so privileged. I get to work with the best of the best, the best in this country. I mean, in LA, one of my great students is Mr. Mike Cantu. If you live in LA, you know Mike Cantu. Why does a guy like Mike Cantu sign up for a week-long seminar called Power Players? Because it's what he doesn't know. That's Mm -hmm. why. And what a great guy. Mike has been a presenter at the All-Star, our conference every year in Las Vegas. He'll be a presenter this coming year. Mike is truly a seasoned veteran. And so I get to work with the best of the best. And, and I'll tell you something. I have a heart for a person just starting and then a 30, 40-year veteran like you, Mike. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I love working with people who are learning and growing. Um, our website, you can go to The Core Co. T-H-E-C-O-R-C-O.com. TheCoreCo.com. You could give me a call, right? I, I give everybody every number I have because it's, why not? I'm an open book. My cell, 206-226-226. 7777 and greg at the that would be my email so there you got every way of getting a hold of me that my wife does <laughs> that is fantastic i don't think i've ever had a guest give out their cell phone that's I, impressive I'm, I'm an open book. and i'm a normal person uh, and yet i live an extraordinary life holly and i am so thankful to this industry and so thankful for people like you that are encouraging people to get into this to get personal freedom right? This this country needs people that are taking their life in their own hands and saying, I'm not depending on anybody. I'm doing it myself, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your words of wisdom. I just felt like I went to an amazing class. What great value that you delivered today. So inspirational. Thank you so much. So listeners, go check out his website at thecoreco.com. And if you so desire, give him a call on that cell phone. See what he can do to help you along your path to real estate entrepreneurship. So with that, thank you so much, Greg, for your time today. I'll see you the next time I'm in L.A. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Awesome. Thank you. Bye, Holly. If you found value in today's episode, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. You can find our show notes at our website, houseflipmasters.com, on the podcast page. Also, to get our top tips for finding deals without spending lots of money, go to houseflipmasters.com for your free download today.